0: welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you will be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles with you, why don't you just turn with me to Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty-six to fifty? Whether it's a physical Bible or whether you're using a Bible app, it's always good to read the Word of God. And if you don't have any of those, thank you, XTV, for flashing it out on the street on the on the screen. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 to 50. If you're there, say yes. Oh, wait, say amen. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, verse 50. While he, Jesus, was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Amen. If you're taking down notes uh, for today, the title of my message is Doing the Will of the Father. Amen. And as you read this scripture, by no means was Jesus trying to disclaim his family. Um, but he was actually using this opportunity to reveal and also to remind us what we ought to do as a family of God. And when we think about will, when we think about doing the will of God, sometimes we can think that, you know, God's will maybe is just a massive task that He wants us to do or a so-called high calling that He, he wants us to do. But actually, we got to understand what will really means, what the word will means. And the word will, when it is written in the Greek, Uh, which was the original language that the gospel was written uh, with. So will in the Greek is actually pronounced as thelema. T-H-E-L-E-M-A. And what will means, what thelema means is actually this. What one wishes or has determined shall be done. And that's God's will. And another meaning for will is actually desire. Another meaning for will is actually pleasure. So, Actually, will means so much more beautiful than just, you know, a task that God has given us to do. But it is essentially carrying out the Father's will is actually to live a life that pleases God. And God desires each and every one of us to live a life that pleases Him. That's what God wants and that's God's desire. Amen? And we're not just called into God's family just so that we can be comfortable and happy where we are at. But we are also called for His purposes. We are called for uh, what for to do what God desires us to do. And God wants to involve us, friends. God wants to involve us in carrying out His plans and His purposes on this earth, wherever He places us. In whether you are in whether you are studying, whether you are working, God has a plan. God has a will for your life. Amen. But before we know what the Father's will is, we uh, I want to share three things that we need to know so that we can be more aware what God's will is in our lives and so that we'll be more obedient to be, you know, to be faithful, to be obedient and to just live to please Him. Amen? So, the first thing that we got to know, before we, before we talk about what God's will is in our lives, the first thing that we got to know is that we need to know His, uh, we need to know the Father's heart. You know, our God, the Father, He has a desire and we need to understand and know His heart before we start talking about what God's will is in our lives. Amen? And let's look at Jesus because Jesus is the perfect example uh, to understand what God's will is. And in His time on earth, Jesus already understood what the Father's will is for Him on earth and which is to give us salvation, which is, which is to die for our sins so that we can have, we can have access to the Father in heaven. So let's, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 49. So before, before I read verse 49, just to give some context, that at that time, Jesus was only 12 years old. And then at that time, that year, He went with His parents to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover, which was, which was done every year. And and at the end of the day, he stayed back at the temple, listening and asking questions from uh, the, the teachers in the temple, but his parents didn't realize that he didn't, did not follow them back home. And when they came back trying to look for Jesus, and when they found Jesus, uh, and they asked Jesus, why did you do this? Jesus said this in verse 49. Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Wow, imagine Jesus being a 12-year-old telling his biological parents saying, do you not know that I have to be about my father's business? It's just another uh, word just to mean will, doing the father's will. Amen? Jesus at the age of 12 already understood that the father in heaven has a will and a plan for him. And how could he know so clearly the will of the father? Because Jesus already knew the father in an intimate way. He already knew the father's heart. So would you turn with me uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 says this Jesus said, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. In another portion of Scripture, in John chapter 10, verse 15, uh, Jesus said this. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, when Jesus said that He knows His Father, it is is not what we understood as the word, like when the word know isn't what we understood it to be. Sometimes when we think about the word know in the English, it's just, I know this person. You know, I know who this person is. But when the word know is used in the Bible, it actually means an intimate knowledge of who that person is that it it means that you it means that the person has a close relationship and that's what Jesus was saying Jesus knew the father he had a very close relationship and an intimate relationship with the father and having a close relationship to the person that means that you know that person's heart you know what the person's desires you know what the person likes or dislikes you know what grieves the person you know what pleases that person yeah. amen so and Jesus knew that. Jesus was so close to the Father that He understood what the Father's heart is and He was willing to say, when He prayed before He was about to be crucified, He said that, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. You know, when, before, even before that, Jesus was praying like, uh, Father, would you take away this cup, this cup of suffering on the cross? But He ended by saying this, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. And, what, and Jesus was able to say that because He knew the Father's heart. So when we talk about knowing God, when we've got to ask ourselves this question. Before we start thinking about what the Father's will is in our lives, the question we've got to ask ourselves is how well do we know our Father? Wow. The question we've got to ask ourselves is do we know what the Father desires of us? Do we know what brings Him joy? Do we know what grieves Him? Do we know what His heart is and what His heart is for? Amen? Amen. So I want us to understand a bit more today what the Father's heart is for us. And if I can put it to two categories, the first thing is this. God's heart and God's desire is for us to love Him, to seek Him, and to live for Him wholeheartedly. God's will for us essentially is just to live a life that honors Him and glorifies His name. See, Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments to two. And the first one is to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And that means loving God with our all, loving God with our emotions, What we do, what we think, what we say, what we feel. And you see, Jesus said as well that I desire obedience. You know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And God desires obedience, not sacrifice. And to understand what that means, what God means by He desires obedience and not sacrifice, let's look at Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. We're going to go through a few scriptures today, but it's going to be good. Amen. All right, Hosea 6, verse 6 says this. I'm going to read this uh, using the English Standard Version. And God says this, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. See, let me just give you some context. So the context was was that the nation of Israel uh, was, their hearts were far away from God and God was calling them to repent and come back to Him. But at that time, the Israelites, they were still just offering religious sacrifice, but yet their heart was still far away from God. And we know that God doesn't look at the external, but more, more importantly, He looks at the heart. He looks at uh, our, the inside of us, what's inside of us. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong to sacrifice to serve. In fact, I really thank God for everyone who's been serving uh, so faithfully every week uh, just to give God their best. But serving the Lord should be an external act that comes from what's in our hearts. It, it needs to come from the love that overflows in our heart for God. Amen? And, but if we take that internal part away, what we're doing is just a routine. What we're doing is just a, it's just a roster to take on a Sunday. What we're doing is just a, a timetable to just be, go through on a Sunday. But, and that, what the, that was what the Israelites were doing. God had to rebuke them. God had to call them back and remind them, that, remind them that He desires obedience. First and foremost, He desires obedience and not just sacrifice. And so how do we apply that today in our lives? Beyond just serving on a Sunday, have we been obedient to God from the Mondays to the Saturdays? That's a question that we got to ask ourselves. Have we been obedient we can be serving so well on a Sunday, we can be leading worship so well, we can be smiling so widely and, and just welcoming people, but, but I believe that true, authentic, honest service unto God only starts after church. It doesn't start on a Sunday, it starts after church. How do we live our lives? And the thing is, the truth is this, God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be obedient. God wants us to live for Him even from the Mondays to the Saturdays, in your workplace, in your universities, in your, house, in your flats with your flatmates? How, how you, do you live your life? Does your life glorify God? Or does it, is, was it the same as just anyone else? Yeah, Amen. And, this, and, and and I'm not trying to bring anyone down today, but I believe that God wants to remind us again and encourage us to live for Him because He has so much more in store for us. And, and all we got to do is just ask God for forgiveness, ask God to pick ourselves again uh, and by His grace and live for Him again. Amen? Amen. You see, the, and the thing is, God's heart is not just for us believers alone. The second category is this, and I want to focus this more today. God's heart is also for the lost. The Father's heart is also for the lost, for those who have been far away from Him, because the Father, He longs for people to come back to Him, for those who do not know Him, for those whose hearts have been far away from Him to come back to Him, because He wants to have a relationship with Him. Amen. In the later chapters in Hosea, let's read Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. Hosea chapter 11, verse 8 says this. I'm just going to read the later part of verse 8. God says, God shows how much He loves His people that He says that my heart churns within me and my sympathy is stirred. In the New Living Translation, it says that my heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. You see, because the Israelites were so far away from God that God's heart has, was broken. God's heart was torn because the Isra- uh, His people were lost. His people's hearts were far away from Him, and he was, he was so compassionate for them that He was calling them to come back because His heart, his heart is torn. You see, God's plan for the Israelites at that time was to be a blessing to the nations. When He promised Abraham, uh, who was the father of, of, of Israel, he, was, he promised to Abraham saying that through Abraham, the nations will be blessed because that's how much God loves the, loves the world. He, even through Israel, He wants the nations to be blessed. He wants the nations to come to know Him. But at that time in the Old Testament, the Israelites already failed. The first part of the plan, which is to honour the Lord. And... And that's why God still has to, had to call them back and say, like, please come back because I love you. And in the New Testament, we finally see that God's salvation uh, through Jesus, who was also a descendant of, Isra- uh, of the Isra- Israelites, and, and through Jesus that we see God's salvation being given to the nations, to all of us. And the truth is this, that God's love and compassion is still the same today. All the way from the Old Testament, He's still the same today. We know the famous verse, John three sixteen right we know that God so loved the world that he gave his Son to die for our sins and whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. That shows how much the Father loves those who have been far away from him. He loves the lost. His heart is for them. Yeah. Amen. In a, in another portion of Scripture in Second Peter chapter three verse nine. It says this. The Lord is not slack. Concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, or in other words, patient towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Pastor, Pastor Dave also just shared just now that God's desire is that none should perish, but all to come to repentance. You see, God's desire is really for us to come back to Him. And the reason why He's also being patient for us, uh, being patient is because He wants people to come back. He wants all to come back to Him. Amen? And so if the Father's heart is for the lost, then our heart should be also. Just like Jesus. Jesus was was so in tune with the Father's heart that He was willing to die for us. What What more us? Are we living a life that glorifies God so that we can be a blessing to those who do not know Him? Amen? Have we been praying for them? Have we been praying for their salvation or have we been praying for them even if, as they are going through it, their toughest moment? Have we been there for them to love them, to share the love of God, to love them just the way God loves us? Amen. And I believe, I strongly believe that when it comes to loving people, it is not just hanging out with them and just going for trips and having fun. And don't get me wrong, all those are good. But when it comes to loving them, we also got to remind ourselves that we need to love them the way God loves us. And that means forgiving them. And that means praying for them. And that means to share the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives to them because they deserve to know the truth. They deserve to know how much God loves them as well. Amen? Amen. And when Jesus started His ministry, He, was, he, he opened the book of Isaiah and he, he read this saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, and, and, and it has anointed me to preach the good news for the poor. Amen? To heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to to, uh, make the blind see. Amen? To see the oppressed, uh, to to, to give the oppressed liberty and freedom. And the truth is this, God's plan did not end with Jesus. It still continues with us today. Jesus gave us this commission to make disciples, right? Jesus gave us this commission to, to share the good news, to make disciples, and that's what God wants us to do as well. He wants... He wants, even to this day, He wants the good news to be preached. He wants the brokenhearted healed. He wants the captives to be set free. He wants the blind to see. See that He is good. Amen? And that just shows how much God loves us. And as we we understand what the Father's heart is, God's will and His plan for us is also to be a blessing. We know that we ought to be salt and light on this earth, but have we even, we got to ask ourselves this question, have we been salt and light Amen. Have we been a blessing to those around us? Have we been sharing the love of God to them? Because that's how much God loves them as well. Amen. And, and I love the lyric of the song, uh, Hosanna, where the bridge says this, break my heart for what breaks yours. And it's a very ouch lyric, but it's also, a very, it's also really true, right? It, we, as, we as Christians, we also got to know that, you know, what the Father's heart is for, we, our heart has to be for that as well. What the Father stands for, we need to stand for that. What the Father is against, we need to be against that. And whatever breaks the Father's heart should break ours as well. Amen? Amen. And I pray, and I hope that we, as we, that we will just understand that in, God has a plan for each and every one of us and His plan is, is in line with what He desires, what His heart is for. Yeah. Amen? And maybe you can... You can, you can say, okay, I, I understand, I get it, I know what the Father's heart is, but you may ask, your, you may ask this question, oh, I don't think, or may, you may say this to yourself, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think what I have is, is good enough. I, think, I don't think that I'm adequate enough or, 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 or more knowledgeable enough or, or skillful enough to do God's will, to share what God has done in our lives to the people around us. Amen? But the second thing, so that brings me to my second point. The second thing that we got to know uh, to do the Father's will is this. We got to know what we have within us. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verse 34, 33 to 44. Amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 33 to 44 says, says this. But the multitudes saw them departing and many knew him meaning Jesus and ran there on foot from all the cities and they arrived before them and came together to him and Jesus when he came out saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd you see the father's heart you see Jesus heart being in tune with the father's heart that he he also had compassion for the people and so he began to teach them many things And when the day was now fast spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out and said five and two fish, then Jesus commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, uh, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. We are all very familiar with what happened here. Uh, so clearly, Jesus performed a miracle that fed so many people with just five loaves and two fish. But today, I don't want to, I don't want to focus on what Jesus has done, but I want us to focus on the interactions between Jesus and the disciples. You see, Jesus being God, I want to believe that. I can imagine Jesus being God, He already knew how, that the disciples did not have enough food for the, uh, for, for the crowd, for the 5,000 men and not counting women and children. But He still told the disciples to give them something to eat. And I believe that God wants to involve us as well in His plan. No matter what we feel, He wants to involve us as well. Even though He sees, even despite our weaknesses and our imperfections, He wants to involve us. Amen. And the disciples knew that they didn't have enough, right? They tried to think of a logical way to, to feed the crowd. And, but Jesus said, Jesus asked the disciples, how many loaves do you have? And I believe that God is also asking us this question, what do you have? What do you have within you? Amen. Do you realize that sometimes when God calls us to do something, we tend to focus on what we do not have. We tend to focus on what we lack. You may say you may say. I'm not as eloquent as so-and-so. I'm not as skillful as this person. I'm not, I'm a quiet person. I'm not good with talking to people. Not like this person, you know. We tend to look at what we do not have and we tend to focus and because of that, we start to doubt that God can use us. And the thing is, God isn't interested with what we do not have. He looks at what we have. What do you have within you? Even Moses gave the same excuse, right? When God called him to deliver, to save his people from Egypt, from slavery, and Moses was also doubting and saying that he's not eloquent with his speech, and he said, what if the Israelites do not believe in him? But what did God say? What do you have in your hand? And it was a rod. It was just a rod. But God used that rod to perform miracles and used that rod to showcase how powerful God is. But all that Moses had was a rod, and Moses also say that, I'm not good with speech, but God said, you have Aaron, your brother, to speak. That's what he had. Amen? Again, God doesn't call, I mean, the, the Father doesn't call us because we are perfect. No, He calls us despite of our imperfection, despite of what we lack, because, we all, he, because he knew that we all have something to offer. The truth is this you have something to offer don't think that you do not have anything at all you have something that God wants to use you amen. amen so what do we have so the question is what do we have right we we need to stop looking at what we do not have what do we have God has given us a story i believe that God has given us a story of his love of his mercy he has given us a testimony of His faithfulness in our lives, whether it's a job offer, whether it's a healing, uh, whether, it's a, whether it's a financial provision, or if, whether it's a, just an experience of His peace and joy, even though you're going through a tough situation, when, even though you're going through a storm in life. That is a story already to, to, to share to your friends, to proclaim of, of, of God's goodness. Amen? What else has God given us? I think the simple thing is God has given us a mouth to speak, right? Don't say that what we don't say that we're not good with speaking when God has already given you a mouth to speak. But the truth but the question we got to ask ourselves is what have we been using our mouth for? Have we been using our lips to pro, to, to, to declare healing, breakthrough, uh, God's goodness and, and 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 what he has done for us or have we been using it to uh, in in the in ways that, didn't, that does not honor the Lord? No, have we been using it to gossip or, or speak down on someone else or even talk negativity over our own lives as well? Amen? God has given us a mouth to speak and He says that there's power in our tongue. There's power in what we say. So you have a mouth, but you, you also have what else, what else that God has given us. God has placed people in our lives for a reason. That is what we have. And the truth is this. There are friends that you know that I do not know. There are people that that God has placed in your life that Pastor Dave, Pastor Kat do do not know. Uh, There are people that you have a close relationship to that your home's leaders do not know. And these are the people that God has placed in your life. But what have we been doing with the friends that God has placed in our lives? God has placed people in our lives because He wants us to be a blessing. He doesn't want us to just... just, uh, spend time with friends throughout your degree and then you leave and that's it. No, God's want, God wants us to leave a legacy, to, to be a blessing, to be salt and light to our friends because He has given us that. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And, even if you, and even if you think that you do not have anything at all, you may think that, oh, I don't have a testimony even for the last year, last two years. I believe there's one thing that we still have that all of us as believers we have. And that is the good news of Jesus—the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Uh, which let's look at Luke chapter nine, verse one to six. Luke chapter nine, verse one to six says this: When he called his twelve disciples together, he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, "Take nothing for the journey." neither staffs, no nor bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunings apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And so the disciples, they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. You see, when Jesus sent out His disciples at that time, all the dis- He told the dis- uh, His disciples not to bring anything, but all that he- the disciples had was the word, were the words of Jesus, the good news of what God has done. And we as believers, we all have this story to share, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us on that cross because, because the truth is this, even if you, believe, if you think that you do not have any testimony to share, this, story, this good news of what Jesus has done for us is the most powerful testimony that you, can, you, can, you ever had. So don't think that you do not have anything at all. Amen you can still speak the Word of God, you can still share Scripture as well, just as another example. You, know, you see, if you, if you have a friend who is going through a tough situation, you can also share Scripture, you can also share what the, the promises of God when Jesus say, come to me all those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus will give us rest. Jesus is the only one that satisfies us. And if we believe in the promises of God, we can also share that to our friends. Amen? And it's normal to feel worried, to doubt, that what we have can seem insignificant. You see, five loaves and two fish is definitely not enough for 5,000 people. But the, 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 the thing is, no matter how small you think, that, uh, how small uh, what you think you have, you can always bring it to Jesus. You can always bring it to God. See, in the same account of the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14, verse 18, after Jesus asked the disciples what do they have, and when they say they have five loaves and two fish, Jesus said to, to bring it to Him. Yeah. Amen? In, in verse 18, Jesus said to bring it to Him. And that's what we got to do. If you think that what you have is insignificant, because we did not surrender it to God. And I, can I encourage you, friends, to, with whatever you have, would you surrender it to God? And because as it is in the surrendering of what we have, our story, our testimony, what we have to God, uh, that God can use it powerfully. God can use it and God can multiply. Amen? So don't despise. Do not despise and do not look down on what you have. Even if it's just one simple story, one simple story of a provision, that is good enough. That is, God can use that to, God can use that to be a blessing to people. Amen? Remember the parable of the talents when Jesus shared the story of, um, of this ruler who gave, one servant, five talents or five coins, the second servant, three talents, and the third servant, one talent. And sometimes you may feel like that servant with that one talent, right? Like we may think that what we have is just that little. Um, but, and then when that ruler came back, the first two servants, they did something, they, they used that coin to earn 100% profit. But that third servant did not use it at all, and the ruler was angry. He, was say, he said, why did you not use, why didn't you use it? You could have at least put it in the bank and he can get some interest from it. So I pray that even if you feel like you are that, one, that servant with that one talent, let us not be like that servant who did not use that one talent because God wants us to use whatever that He has given to us no matter how small we think. Amen? And okay, you may ask, you may think, okay, I got to use it. I got to use what I have, but I don't know how. I don't know how, right? And that brings me to my third point. The third thing that we got to know, uh, to be used by God, the third thing that we got to know is to know that the Holy Spirit is with us. And that, I hope that this is an encouragement and we've been learning about this uh, even in the last few weeks that the Holy Spirit is with us. And God is not just some strict boss that leaves you to do what He tells you to do and then He just sits on the couch and says, alright, do it, you messed up, that's your bad. No. The beautiful thing is that He has promised the Holy Spirit To be with us, to teach us, to guide us, to lead us, Amen. He is with, and the Holy Spirit is with you when you pray. The Holy Spirit uh, is with you when you share, when you when you uh, be a blessing, when you choose to be a blessing to your friends. He is with you, Amen. Amen? Let's look at Luke chapter twelve, verse eleven to twelve. Luke chapter twelve, verse eleven to twelve. Jesus said this to His disciples. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. See, Jesus already promised His disciples, He was encouraging His disciples that that they do not need to be afraid when they've been brought to people who can challenge them to people who may even persecute them and, and ridicule them for what they because just because they stand for Jesus because just because they 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 choose to be salt and light for God Jesus has promised and said that the holy spirit will teach you the holy spirit he Jesus already said that the holy spirit will be our helper will be our teacher right so the holy spirit will teach us amen and i 've come to learn that when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit, many times God doesn 't give us a full blueprint of, of what He wants to do many times he, he, many times he didn't uh, he doesn 't give us a full plan of what He wants us to do, but instead the Holy Spirit is there to tell us to do things step by step He 's there to tell us. Uh, and 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 teach us to do this and do that, and all we got to do is just to obey. All we got to do is just take that step of faith, and just follow him, and to follow where he leads us. You see, in Abraham, uh, you see, when God called Abraham to leave his house to uh, go to the promised land that God has given to him, he didn't. He did not tell Abraham where it is going to be. He just said, Come and follow me, right? And what Abraham did was, by faith, he packed up his things, brought his family, and followed God. Yeah. Amen. In another portion of scripture, let's read uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 28. We've read this before, but I want us to read again. And this is what happened to Philip, what God was using Philip, how God was using Philip. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 28. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert, or it means this is a desert road. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had came to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. And then we know what happens after. You know, Philip went to the chariot and then when he saw that the eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah, which points to Jesus, he used that as, a, as an opportunity to share about Jesus to the eunuch. But what happened along the way, God did not tell Philip that there's going to be a eunuch there, you're going to, tell, you're going to speak about Jesus to him, but he just said, an angel of the Lord just said, go down to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, put yourself in Philip's shoe. When God tells you, go to Oxford Street now, you'll be like, wait, what? Like, how, why? Why God? Like, who am I meeting? What am I doing? But no, what Philip did was just to obey what God said, and and he went. And what's next? The Holy Spirit said, go and overtake this chariot, full stop. Overtake the chariot. And then again, if you're Philip, you'll be like, Okay, how am I going to, what am I going to do there, you know? Who am I going to meet? Is it like some sort of official or some shady person? I don't know. But the Holy Spirit said, go to that chariot. And that's what Philip did. Amen? So what can we learn? When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we we just got to listen. We just got to leave room for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. And as you trust in Him, as you trust in Him to do the little things that the, that the Spirit leads you to, he will, he will, you will see Him using you in ways that you cannot imagine. Amen? And I pray that this, let this be a reminder for us again, even from what we've learned in the last few weeks, that to not neglect the Holy Spirit, but allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in doing the Father's will. Amen? Jesus, and again, Jesus, Jesus was the perfect example when He came. He came because of the Father's will, because He had compassion for the people, for those who are lost, and, but He did not do it alone. He, he did not carry out His ministry alone, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, because when Jesus was baptized, before He started His ministry, the Holy Spirit descended upon Him. Amen? If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, what more us? Amen? What more us? And, And I pray that this will be a reminder for us. And I was reminded again by what Pastor Dave shared two Sundays ago, that the Holy Spirit is not just about power, but it is about habit. So friends, make it a habit to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you wherever you are. Amen? And as I close, I want to share this story that happened to me um, a few weeks ago. And I, I hope that this will also help encourage you. So it was on a Tuesday morning. I was working. I was in the office and I was working. And then my, a colleague of mine came later than me. He's a PhD student from China. In fact, it's a bit weird to call him a colleague. But anyways, I call anyone a colleague, whether it's a research assistant or a PhD student. Um, but he came to the office and we got to say hi. And I was, as we, are, as we were just asking each other how our weekend went, I had a sense... Uh, and at that moment, I sense God telling me to take this opportunity to share about Christ to him. Because, again, this is point number two, uh, sorry, point, point number one, because God wants, he wants the good news to be preached. He wants those who do not know him to come back to him. So, so at that time, I, I sensed God telling me to take that opportunity. And I was like, okay, God, but the thing is, I've been speaking to him in Chinese. And for those who know me, I do not know, I'm not good with Chinese, uh, speaking in Chinese, I only, I'm, only good, I'm okay with speaking in, casu- in, in casual conversations, but when it comes to preaching about Christ, how do I even say forgive in Chinese? Or how do I even say God giving us peace and joy in Chinese, you know? And I was like, oh God, do I speak in English? Do I speak in Chinese? And then he said, well, you know, you know Chinese, right? And the fact, the truth is, that person, he, he's more fluent in Chinese. He's from China, but he's also not very fluent in English. That's why when I got to know him, we already started talking in Chinese. And God said, what do you have? You have Chinese. You have, what, you have a story of what Jesus has done in your life. In fact, you even have Google Translate, so just use it. <laughs> Amen? Whether, whether it's... So, so friends, whatever you have, you see, use it for God. And I was like, okay... I'm going to use Chinese, broken Chinese, but I'm going to try. But God, I don't know how. How do I start? How do I start a conversation? As we were asking each other about how our weekend went, how do I start? And he said, just, say, just start by saying that, yeah, when he asks you, how, how was your weekend? Just say that you went to church. How many of us even dare to say that we went to church when people ask us how our weekend has been? Amen. Just being honest, because I've, I've been through that. And I, I, I've been through times where uh, I don't dare to say that I've been to church. But, but God challenged me and said, just say it. The Holy Spirit said, just say it. So I said it. And I was like, okay. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. Um, and then I was like, okay, what now, what now? What now, God? <laughs> and he said, ask him what, ask him whether he or his family has any religion or do they believe in anything? And so, I was like, okay. So I asked him, do you believe in anything? Do you have any religion or do you have any faith? And he said, no. And there's also something that I've learned, like he's from Hunan, China, and he said that, the, it's just an interesting fact, Through, uh, according to him, he said that actually majority of the people in Hunan, they do not have any religion. They do not know, they don't, don't really believe in, uh, in anything. So I was like, okay, interesting. But in my, at the back of my head, I was like, okay, what next, God? <laughs> um, and he said, Ask him, what does he know about Christianity? Wow. And so, I did. And, and, once, and when I asked him, he answered, is it something to do with doing good deeds to get to heaven? And the Holy Spirit said, there you have it. Wow. That's an opportunity for you to share about what true Christianity is. And Christianity is not about earning our salvation, right? It's a, and it's about believing in Jesus. And, it's, by, and it's, it's because of His grace and by faith that we can have access to the Father, Right? And I was like, okay, God, I know that you are leading me to this. Like, I know, now I'm like, okay, God, I surrender, right? And I tried. So I, I, I did my best to share in Chinese with the best. I, I tried my best and I've used Google Translate a lot of times. Um, and, he, and at the end of the day, after I shared, after I shared uh, my testimony and, and what Christ has done and what Christianity is all about, he was like, oh, it's interesting, and he was appreciative of me sharing, um, sharing it, even with Chinese, and he could tell that I was just trying. Um, but but even, though, even though I did not receive a big response from him, I believe a seed has been sown because I believe that if the Holy Spirit has led me to share, then he will water. What we've sown, God will water and I believe a seed has been planted and I, I'm still praying. I'm still, I'm still tr- learning to just listen to the Holy Spirit on how can I be a blessing to this person. Amen. Amen? So can you see the three points in this story? First point is this. God has a heart for the lost. He desires for people to come back to Him. He desires for people to, who, who do not know Him. But it also comes down to us. What do we have? And are we using what we have for Him? Amen? And the final thing is this, that we are not in this alone. That the Holy Spirit is with us through the process. The Holy Spirit is with us. And even if you think that you did not do a good job, don't worry about it because God still uses our imperfections. Amen. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. So, And I I hope and pray that this will encourage us today. To not, to not neglect what God has called us to be and to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be used powerfully by Him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And can I invite the worship team to come out? And, and I also want us to spend some time to worship Him, even after I pray. Let's spend some time to worship God in response to what He is speaking to us today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, just for Your Word. We thank You that, God, Your heart is so big. Your heart is, is so big for, for all of us that You love us so much and You love those who do not know You. You love them so much that, that You want them to come back to You. And, God, and, and we thank You even for that privilege that You want to involve us in Your plans, in Your will. So God, would you help us? Help us to be changed by you. Lord, would you mold us? Would you lead us? Would you teach us, oh God? And and as you are the potter, we are the clay. We are the clay to be molded by you. So God, would you teach us to be your vessel, to be used by you, Lord? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen.